Welcome to another not episode. And that's right, two not episodes in a row. So this is not episode 372, part B. Uh, this week, it's John's fault. John uh, couldn't make it for the show. So I'm here with... Me? Yeah. I thought you were going to say Chris, and I was waiting for it. No, uh, because we always introduce ourselves. Oh. Remember? Hey, guys, I'm Chris. I'm Paul. <laughs> and we're a show that normally comes to you in three segments. The first being The Week in Geek, where we break down top geek news stories. And then we have The List, the books that we're looking forward to coming out each week. And then we do a rotating main topic where we talk about geeky culture goodness. Yeah. Uh, but during our not episodes, it's a free-for-all. And I'm it's so just... sad we haven't had a regular episode in like two or three weeks now because I want to talk about movies. We have, we have the it's the summer movie blockbuster bracketbuster going on right now. We haven't had a chance to discuss. I know Deadpool did a lot better than I thought. Solo, Solo. didn't do as well as we thought or hoped. Yeah, and uh, now and Infinity War has kind of calmed down. It's uh, it's it's now just an Infinity Brawl, I would say, like at the theaters. Like it it, it had but, a quick drop off. When I went to see uh, Solo yesterday, though, I did finally see the trailer for Skyscraper, and I was just like, it's Dwayne The Rock Johnson doing uh, Die Hard. Okay, I got this now. It could, it could do well. There's nothing wrong with him doing Die Hard, though. Oh. Die Hard's a great movie. It is. And he's The Rock. Did you hear about him in Rampage? Uh, I don't believe so, because I know Rampage came out, but then I didn't hear anything else after that. Well, talking about, uh, you know, falling in love with, you know, animals, Dwayne The Rock Rock Johnson really fell in love with his uh, co-star in the movie The Rampage, uh, George, the uh, genetically modified killer crazy big monkey. Uh, At at the very end of the movie, it was originally shot where George, George dies. And CGI, and it's shot with Rock. So you would think that The Rock knew that happened. But apparently, when uh, the shooting was all done, and The Rock sees, like, the dailies from that day, or sees the uh, CGI come back in from that day, he's like, no, we can't do that. George can't die. Oh, spoilers for Rampage, by the way. Sorry. Sorry, Uh, if you ever thought about seeing it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That this This is a Dwayne The Rock Johnson movie. I have built up a reputation and a trust with my audience. People come to see the uh, movie starring The Rock to leave the theater being entertained and feel good. You can't end this movie with George dying. So now, so they're like, so they got out in a big fight. And he's like, I will take my name off of this. I will not do any press for it. I will walk away from this movie. Good luck. And so they redid it, where apparently at the very end of the movie now, George does still get stabbed with, you know, and gets impaled on a part of the building when he falls. And he acts like he, he dies. And then he suddenly wakes up and he's just pretending it's a fake out. And, and uh, Rock says, Ah, oh, you got me, George. And then the movie ends. Wow. So, so man, The Rock. So impacting uh, positive change in everything he does. Yeah. So I'm going to now go to see Skyscraper and be like, I know I'm going to leave this movie feeling entertained and feel good because <laughs> the rock will not let anything else but that happen. He's, he's washing out for your news. <laughs> yes. He, he won't let me walk away. Like at the end of spoilers 
of Infinity War. If The Rock was in that movie, he wouldn't let that click happen. No, he would not. No. It wouldn't be at the end of Rogue One, too. I just want to see Rock recut all those movies now. I just <laughs> want to see, uh, like, the Rock cut. <laughs> like, nope, I'm here. Saved. Mr. Rock, I don't feel so good. You're fine, you jabroni. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, you know? He, That'd be fun. That's what he would call Peter Parker a jabroni. Yeah. And he would tell him he felt fine. After, after he, he uh, kicked Thanos' Rudy Poo candy ass. <laughs> there we do? go. Yeah. Great. But man, speaking about kicking ass and hitting things in the can, I'm drinking a canned beer right now, Paul. Because <laughs> that's the one thing that it is the consistent through line between every bag and board, whether it's a not episode or a regular episode. We always have to drink something. Or our little viewed YouTube videos. We're always drinking. That's true. Those are there, too. I forgot about them. Uh, but for me, I picked up something new. I haven't had this before, and this is from Left Hand Brewing. This is Juicy Goodness, their Dry Hopped Golden Ale. Um, it's not bad. I actually just wound up putting it in the refrigerator after I got up to get my backup beer for this night episode. Uh, it's got a nice little juice pop on it. Then it kind of fades out. And I know it's from the dry hopping, but it's like a like a weediness to it. Not like weed, but like wheat, like making cereal. Um, it's not bad. I'm hoping this like crisps up a little bit in the fridge because I think this would be like a perfect hot day beer. Um, we were just talking pre-show stuff about just the overwhelming heat we've had in Orlando. And then you guys have also had similar in, in Buffalo recently just with the humidity. Um, this isn't bad. Uh, 6.6, or no, I'm sorry, 5.5 ABV, 29 IBUs. Ugh, don't talk about IBUs. I have to. If I had poured this into a glass, I would tell you about the straw, but I have <laughs> I'm drinking it out of the can. Well, it's not, not a bad little beer. Uh, six pack of cans, I think, was about $12.99. Uh, not my favorite left hand, but it's definitely something uh, for the summer. Uh, I am drinking something for the summer, but uh, at, a, at a steep price point. This comes in uh, a four pack. A 12-ounce can four-pack. And this is uh, a collaboration between I'm Apollo and Evil Twin Brewery. So you already know with Evil Twin, the price point is already up. Uh, this is Rainbow Aid. This is an Indian pale ale with grapefruit, passion fruit, mango, raspberry, and blueberry added. Wow. So that's why it's Rainbow Aid. And this is a very refreshing, fruity, uh, but still got that nice little... Um, hop punch at the back end, but it's all very smooth, very juicy, all up front, and then that pop of hoppy bitter at the end. It's it is very nice. I wish it was colder. I could see myself really enjoying this as a porch beer, but at seventeen ninety nine a four pack, yeah, a twelve ounce four pack. It's uh, this is probably the one and only four pack I'm buying this summer. So maybe I'll try to save it. I did buy it from a consumers, which is notorious for, uh, in Buffalo for jacking up the prices on specialty beer. And I know this has been out for a while, so I don't know how well it's going to sit much longer. I don't see a can date on it though. Now, but, question, uh, question for you, just completely yeah. sidebar beer related side beer, um, side beer. Have you had a chance to try the Founders Premium Lager yet? Because I haven't seen that down here. That the gold? Time. Yeah. Uh, no, I've seen it. Okay, every time I but go I'm to my like, beer store, it's not there yet. I've seen it, and I'm like, meh. 
well, you know, premium lager. I don't know. Like, what am I going to do? Yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I'm sure it's not going to be bad. I mean, I'm just but jealous because I, I really want to have a Founders beer right now because I went to see what they had on tap at the brewery right now, and there's so much, like, weird, random stuff that's been aged in different, like, bourbon barrels or whiskey barrels, port wine barrels, and I'm like, man, I, just, I want something new from Founders. And, I mean, I I picked up another four-pack of Dankwood today, so, you know, nothing t- uh, but respect for that one. But I really miss having, like, those random one-offs that they would do. And I'm happy that Backwoods Bastard is going to be available year-round now, but I still want to try that, the... Like the premium lager, the gold. Because yeah. I, I haven't had that yet. And I'm going through like founders withdrawal now. I can understand that, but I just I still have a like two or three beers out of a all day IPA you know, fifteen pack. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's my, you know, really good fridge beer. And if I was gonna stock up again and if they both cost the same price, I'm probably gonna go with all day IPA versus a um you know the solid, the solid gold. Uh, what are, are they calling it? Yeah, solid, I think gold? It's solid gold uh, versus that. Uh, yeah. If I see it out at a beer at a beer place, if I'm out at a restaurant or you know, and it's on a tap list, maybe I would try it. Like I would get a sample of it if they offer samples, but yeah, I don't know if I'm going to spend my money on it. Maybe it'll be. Maybe it is really good. If I hear good things, then yeah, I'm, all just, that I'm hoping I see it at some point in the near future because I do want to try it. But. Anyways. Speaking about trying things, sometimes it's fun to try new games. Yeah, and sometimes you just want to go get in underneath the covers and play a game that you've played thousand, countless of times. There's something just so comfortable about going back and playing a game that you know what about. Um, and this kind of sprung up because I've gotten back into World of Warcraft, actually, that was like a year and a half, two years ago now, uh, with the release of the Legion expansion. And World of Warcraft and I really have a cyclical relationship where I'll get into it, I'll play it for a while, I fall off, I pass an expansion, and then the next expansion that comes out after that, I'm like, okay, well, maybe I should go check this out. Uh, Legion's got me, though. Legion actually brought me in right when it launched, and I've been playing it consistently since then. And the new expansion is actually coming out this August, Battle for Azeroth. And, Paul, you recently just kind of dipped your toe back into it as well, so... Uh, that's kind of what spurned this, like just us talking about getting back into Warcraft. But then I kind of thought a little bit bigger because I actually just started replaying Elder Scrolls Skyrim. Okay, which I have recently just finished a playthrough of as well. So, like, because the year, Game of the Year edition came out, and uh, for whatever reason on Steam, if you purchase the original Skyrim, they gave you like the. Game of the Year edition, like, a while ago for free. Like, it was just an automatic, like, re-download, and you get... So I got all the DLC, like, the that I never played through before. And you know what happened, Chris? Hmm. I didn't play through any of the DLC. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was weird, because, like, um, just current events, Toys R Us is closing all their stores, so I stopped at the one outside the mall where I work, just to see, like, oh, you know what video games they have to find out what I could get because everything's on sale right now for like 40 to 60% off. And they held Elder Scrolls Skyrim there on sale. It's normally $14.99 and then 60% off. So I was like, okay, well, this is a great game. I loved it when I had it originally. Uh, Back when John and I lived together, I had this game. And then one day he borrowed it from me and he literally played it all day. Like he was supposed to go to school. I left for work. 
I came back to the apartment. He was still sitting on the couch playing it, and I was like, "Oh, how how's it going?" And he was like, "Good. I didn't go to school today." <laughs> like, okay, like it's a great game. And John is someone who will always tell you like he never liked role playing games, but stuff like Diablo and Elder Scrolls just definitely dragged him in and got him to be like, "Okay, like I enjoyed the style of gameplay." And it's weird because when I started playing Elder Scrolls again, I looked at my last save file. The last time I played this game was 2005. And it's crazy that this game came out that long ago, but it still feels and plays and looks so great. And it's so big that I, I know now. I can literally just go out there and do whatever I want. And if I just pick up on some thread that interests me, like, okay, I can go ahead and chase this one down. Sorry, I was typing up my uh, untapped review of my last beer as you were talking. Not a problem. But, yeah, uh, Sky, I I went back in and I started a whole new character because I wanted to see what what was different uh, with the DLC. And I did notice some quest lines like getting opened up like in the middle. And I'm like, oh, that'd be interesting. But then I... And I also wanted to play the other side because that's what I always... Happen to do in these kind of story-driven games. I always want to see how how different they are. The first time I played through, I was a Stormcloak with the Rebels. This time, I went completely Imperial. And it's not much of a change. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, granted, they, the quest givers basically change, and that's about it. And then like, you, get, you get some different rewards and stuff. But, like, ultimately... You can kind of do whatever you want. Like, if you want to still see that other side, there's a way to repair things with them that you can finally get oh. to that point. Um, it's not as bad as something like Dragon Age or Dragon Age 2, to kind of circle back to something else that's also one of my like go-to games or franchises, where it's like the illusion of choice... Where no, like you have a few options presented to you, but no matter what you do, you'll ultimately end at this final point. Mm-hmm. I think stuff like Dragon Age does make you feel more like those choices matter, though, um, because, because it's impacting the story. And mm-hmm. with Elder Scrolls, I feel like it more just in, like the interactions are changed because ultimately Elder Scrolls, like I know whatever I'm going to wind up choosing. I'm still fighting this big dragon on the way there. Okay, that's happening. But with Dragon Age, it's more like, okay, after I make this choice, now I can't go to this area, I have to go to this one instead. And you get to see like, a different chapter almost. <laughs> the first thing, uh, the first Elder Scroll game I played was the one right before it. It was Oblivion. Uh, Elder Scrolls 4. And I got turned into a, uh, a vampire. And I'm like, well, alright. Let's try this for a while. So I started like going in. I found a small town to be in, and I wanted to turn everybody into vampires, and me like get set up as like the vampire lord. And that's not what happens in those games. You just feed on the people, and they complain about being like their dialogue changes a little bit about being sick, but mostly they say you don't look so good. You look really pale, and it's like, and that's it. That's like the only difference. Like I'm like, can I? Can I set myself to be a dark vampire lord of a small town? I was very disappointed. So I'm like, oh, I can't really affect real change in this world. Like, it's I it's kind of there, but not. I tried to play Oblivion, but 
it was after I had already played Skyrim because I heard just how great oh, Oblivion was. And then just going back to it, it was too big of a jump backwards just with interface and graphics. I was like, okay, like, there wasn't anything wrong with it, but after playing the beauty and ultimate game of the year because everyone voted it as game of the year, uh, Skyrim, like, it was, it was hard to play. And I mean, I bought it on Xbox Live for like $8. Like, it wasn't a big investment, so I didn't feel taken. But I could definitely see where people would be like, yes, this game is fantastic. But Skyrim, like, literally just jumping back into it, it feels fantastic. It's so uh, easy just to pick up and play. I think World of Warcraft has gotten a little bit better of making you feel like you have made choices as well. And that you've actually affected the world, especially with the starting zone areas. Mm-hmm. Like as you're playing through, like you're not making choices, but as you're playing through, you feel like you're actually impacting the world. Uh, I used to play my very first character in World of Warcraft. Uh, it was during the, I got into it right before or right after the first uh, expansion came out, and I played a uh, gnome warrior and. The gnome store starting area back then, like you were kicked out, you lost Nomeria, like there was, you're trying to set up shop basically with, uh, the dwarves. And that's the whole point is like, hey, try to, try to incorporate yourself well into, with the dwarves and hopefully they'll let us live here too, uh, on the outskirts of town. And then like after Cataclysm, uh, the, the, now the starting area is no, we're going to retake Nomeria and like the whole starting thing is you helping retaking your your uh, your home city the norm gnome city which is awesome it was a lot of fun and you feel like you've actually did that and accomplished it and then you go off on a greater adventure and I think all the starting areas basically now have this kind of big grand story that you are told you know from level zero to level like 10 or 15. Yeah, and I, I think the big one, too, is because when you started replaying it, apparently you told me that you started a worgen. Yeah. When Cataclysm came out, the worgens and goblins were the two new races that they had added, but they each had their own like starting zone that was completely instanced to just them. So you weren't interacting with any like high-level players. It was only people that had just started off as well. Uh, but it was still very linear. Like, you had to go do this mission, do this mission, finish Mm -hmm. this, okay, to kind of drive you through that story, but it also got you ingrained in that world. Um, Because I have a Worgen, too, and I have a Worgen warrior. But playing through that, like, I felt like I had seen so much story. And the first time I started playing World of Warcraft was right when Cataclysm came out, and I had made a Blood Elf. Which is basically just like, okay, here's this race that's been around for a few years now. It's cool, whatever. You're dropped into this world. Okay, now go figure it out for yourself. So yeah. it wasn't very... I mean, I I don't need my handheld playing video games. But when you're trying to get into like a new game or a new system, it's a lot to take on at once. Especially when you have your trade chat in the bottom corner of your screen that's just saying like, all this other random stuff, and you're like, I don't know what any of these words mean. I just, I have three buttons that I can press, and I do things. Like, what? Um, I think Blizzard's definitely learned more about, like, okay, we need to cater to 
the people that are finally deciding to try this game out after 14 years of publication and play versus balancing it with the people that have been playing it for that long or even longer because they're Blizzard fans that have played through Warcraft and Warcraft 2 and Warcraft 3. Um, so the, the fact that Blizzard can accommodate and appease so many different players and types of players boggles my mind. Like It's absolutely crazy. I think they've done a really good job about actually, yeah, redoing starting areas because they redid the gnome one. They redid, uh, well, I know the gnome one because I played the gnome through the gnomes twice now. Uh, just because every time I jump back in and it's like a year or two apart, I'm like, ah, I kind of have to get a feel for the WASD keys again yeah. and the mouse and like get in a rhythm. So I'm like, I'll just start a new starting character, which I don't have I played yet. I started a panda because of that. That's uh, Pandarian, that's which was a great. The exact same way that I play too, because after I would take a hiatus, when I would go back to it, I don't want to just jump into that character that I had before. So I would start someone fresh and then level them up. And then it becomes like infinitely easier just to like jump back into those other characters and then be like, okay, now I just need to look at my spell book and see what this button does, what this button does. Okay, now I can remember how my rotation works and how everything interacted with each other. Okay, I can now play this game. And what's great, oh, excuse me, as well as uh, when you jump back to those main characters that have leveled up, basically they've reset your entire uh, talent pool, anyways, yeah. because you've log- you haven't logged in in so long. So you're like, so you're so far, so far uh, behind on the updates that you have to repick all your trait. Uh, traits anyway, so it's yeah. like it's like starting a new character, and then now after you're playing a little bit, you're like, oh, I can see how I can combo these abilities together again. So that's why I always do it because I log into my main and I'm like, yes, I'm ready to get back into it. And then it's like we reset your talent pool, pick all the choices, and I'm like, I don't know any of these things. Yeah. I don't. What's rend? What am I? I rend something. Uh, give me some time. Log out, log back in, let's create a new character. Let's go jump on a Wikipedia real quick. Okay, what kind of build should I make my character? Oh, okay, now now I'm ready to get back in. Unfortunately, I started this up about two weeks ago, and then last week I got a cold. Listeners, if you hear me sniffling, it's because I have a cold, and I have not been playing World of Warcraft as much as I want. <laughs> okay, uh, but I'm excited for you to kind of... Like- hopefully keep playing and then once you get into the quote-unquote current content with legion that's really what kept me on because i'm a story guy and legion is just full of story and it made me feel like my character mattered in the universe again Um, well that's cool kind of like circling back to like the choices that you make in stuff like dragon age or skyrim where i don't like to just feel like okay this is an avatar, I'm just doing what they have to do. Even though that's what's happening in World of Warcraft, it does seem more catered towards me. Like, my main character is a warlock, and Legion really did the best job at making it feel like, okay, as, you know, a warlock or a warrior, or whatever your character type is, you are now aiming to be like the paragon of your class and kind of like being the rallying point for the other members, like other warlocks or warriors or mages in the battle against the burning Legion. And it's up to you to unite everybody to take the fight directly to the Legion. But they did all these separate like um, 
class quests and missions and rewards based on just each class and then each of the three specs within those classes that makes it feel so more directed where it's not just like okay everyone has access to doing the same quest and they can get the same rewards having it more catered to you as your player and your player class to be like okay like no this is what you're doing this is for you it doesn't matter what that mage is doing you're playing as a monk as a monk you have your own special like order hall where you go and it's just a bunch of other monks like standing around kicking dummies looking at cranes doing cool monk shit it feels so rewarding just to be there like be like hey no like i'm i'm the grand master monk like all these people here are answering to me it's it's really cool and i hope that they can carry that kind of feeling of necessity like my class needs me into a battle for Azeroth because that that's going to keep me playing again that sounds awesome because that's one of the weird things that i've noticed since one of the updates was oh wait i just you just get it it just like when you level up now like when you're in the starting areas like that it pops up on screen it's golden and there's a golden rainbow of that ability that floats down to your toolbar and i'm like wait, I don't need to go to see a guy about learning this? Yeah. And then he sticks out his hand, and, the, and then I learn it And pay, after paying him some silver. Like, it all happens automatically. So, But they still have those class trainers around. Yeah, they're like still everywhere. around. And sometimes like you have to go to them for maybe a class-specific quest to get... Like, you know, if you're a mage, you get a special wand from doing that quest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, ultimately... The they seem worthless. Yeah, they don't. Right? They're just NPCs that are there. And yeah, so I was like, "What's the point of having these? Especially in these like instant starting areas where you're." It seemed like they already updated it. They should already know not to have these guys just here because I'm like, "Oh, maybe they'll t- give me a different quest, or they talk to me and I get some information." No, it's just like one weird line. Like, ah, keep on stunning your spells. Yeah. Okay, cool. Like, all right. I, that was, I, that a, was that a waste was totally of a click. totally a gnome voice, by the way. Like, well, that's... <laughs> they are my favorite race. Like, in, in like, a, when I play a fantasy role-playing game, I think. Gnomes. Like, they're tinkers. They, they invent things. Like, my... I'm so happy with my gnome uh, warrior because, uh, you know, I, I'm an engineer, and so I've created my whirly dervish you know machine by you know epic flying mount you know that i you know had to get all the parts together for and build you know and that's what i enjoy in world of warcraft is actually uh getting you know just thinking just messing around and seeing what i what i can make my character do yeah so it's fun to revisit every once in a while uh a game i know you revisit and then when we were kind of talking about this i i even mentioned it was like you're probably going to talk about mass effect yeah, uh, well, Mass Effect 2, pers- uh, more particularly, because Mass Effect 1, like, when I go back and play it, it feels almost like a chore now, because it's so slow, and it's, it's so that's long. Awesome. That's why I couldn't get into it when you let me borrow it, because it just, it dragged. Mm-hmm. And the side quests, all the side quests are, you land on a planet in your, like, tank, and then it takes that tank forever to get to any place. Yeah. And it just, and then you got to go up. They put a mountain in between you and the place you need to get to, and it takes even it takes even longer to get up the mountain. Like it's it was bad game design. Yeah. 
Like, uh, and then they learn from it, you know, because in, and I think they, you know, had it all kind of perfect in Mass Effect 2, where all the side quests were like, you land, you land right on the planet and boom, you're in the side quest and you're doing things. And, oh, you care about these characters. Okay. Well, what if the whole game is built around you trying to make sure these characters don't die? <laughs> like, that's the whole point. Like, it's a big heist movie at the end of the game. Like, hey, did you do well enough? Did you, like, get, uh, convince them of the cause that you're, you know, the mission that you're doing? Uh, did you do their side quest? Did you talk to them enough? Or did all these things happen uh, during the game? To do it well, and during the final mission, did you pick the right specialists together to do these missions to ensure that one, the uh, mission is a success is successful, and two, that they don't die trying to succeed at the mission, and that kind of uh, character story driven game is just uh, I, I keep on going back to because I'm like, wait, what if I did this instead? Oh. Yeah, then they die. Yep, that's that's what happens. They that they did, which makes it interesting for you would think for Mass Effect Three, and that's and then when you play through Mass Effect Three, you just don't see him again, and that's nothing else changes, and yet another reason why Mass Effect Three is disappointing, uh, as as the lead the final game of that series. Uh, but Mass Effect 2, I can go back to and just be like right into it. And because it does get you right into the game, you wake up on, it's kind of like, uh, it's Bioware. So they kind of, uh, it's kind of plagiarism of Bioware itself because it's the same thing that happens during either Knights of the Old Republic or Knights of the Old Republic 2, where up you're, you're on a, in a med bay and you wake up <laughs> and then you have to escape. From a thing that's burning up and getting destroyed, which I think is Knights of the Old Republic, the first one. I unfortunately uh, have never played any of those games. I've only ever heard good things about them. But. They are really dated now. Yeah, I've got you know, I play a lot of older games uh, multiple times. I cannot suggest going back to them unless you're in the mind frame to be like, all right, I'm going to. I'm going to like really dig in to this game, this older game where it's not going to handhold me. There's going to be missions where I'm not going to have any clue of what I'm supposed to do, and just trust that if I click around and walk around enough, eventually I'll find out. Uh, you know, you know where you were like, oh, I was supposed to read. There was something that one guy said that I should have really paid attention to, and that makes sense. Or you just think you walked far enough and you gone far enough and you're like ah, I'm going too far and you're like nope you sort of supposed to go a little bit farther and then something else would happen see that's kind of what I like about uh, World of Warcraft not to keep circling back to it but mm-hmm. it was kind of the catalyst for this whole discussion uh, where they give you the quest log where it literally says like hey you need to do this go here talk to this person do this thing and then they put the like nice bright circle on your map so you have like an idea of where to go because it's not always 100% accurate like sometimes you need to be just on the outskirts yeah. of it they do that now but, but that's what I like about it because it's like okay sometimes when I'm playing games I'm like listening to podcasts or music at the same time like I'm multitasking I'm playing like another game on my phone or something and I just want to like go to the place to do the thing so I can get the reward as much as I'm a story guy mm-hmm 
World of Warcraft is a lot of just like, hey, click this button enough times until you finally get a better piece of gear. Now don't you feel like a winner? Yay, you did it. Sometimes I just want that. And it's the same way with games like Diablo, also from Blizzard, that I can always go back and play a Diablo game because it's just that infinite playability of being like, okay, I'm going to do a thing and then get a reward, hope the reward is better, so I can then go ahead and do more things and get more rewards. Yeah. And then, also, well, like, I mean, Diablo doesn't have the best story ever, but you just... You go to the east, always to yeah, the east. always east. But the, the gameplay itself just it keeps me going back to it. And I think that's part of what makes uh, John's pick, because he's not on the episode, but he still set his, uh, yeah, yeah. his two picks of games that he always goes back to as Mario 2, which kind of made me like surprised. Like I almost wanted to text him and be like, you mean like Super Mario World 2? Cause, nope, and then he posted, so we know yeah. it's Mario 2, yeah, the one where it's not a real Mario movie, or not a real Mario game. Yeah, which, I mean, that was never my favorite Mario. I don't even think I ever put too much time into that one. Because um, it was just such a big departure from the regular Mario, and then so different from Super Mario Brothers 3 when that came out. Well, you you know what it was, right? Oh, yeah, it was a, a completely different game that... That was reskinned for the American audience to a Mario game, yeah. But you and know, that's why it's... A, throw turnips at dinosaurs, because that's what Mario has always been about. Yep. Cause, uh, and that's why there's an introduction to all those weird characters that you've never seen before. And you're like, oh. But it was, and then they end it, oh, it was just a dream. See, I, Such I, a weird I, dream. I never put Mario. that much time into it. But also at that time, though, in the early 80s, video games didn't really need to have anything. It's just like, okay, you're a chef, you're making burgers, so you have to climb ladders and then walk over burger patties. Boom. That's burger time. Uh, Kate... You know, my wife, Kate, uh, I finally, you know, kind of put together my uh, video arcade machine, and I got all the ROMs working and everything, and she has fallen in love with the Budweiser game, Tapper. Really? <laughs> Which is an old-school arcade game where you're just going through it, pouring drinks, pouring beer, and, like, sending them down the line, sending them down the, uh, the bar at people that are constantly walking towards you at the end of the bar. If the person gets to the end of the bar without getting a beer, he will pick you up and throw you down the bar. That's how it and should be at real bars if you want to play some drinks. And, and you lose life. And, uh, you know, the, so you constantly have to keep, you know, it's kind of like burger time in that way where you just kind of tr- keep in front of everything. And she just loves it. She's like, yeah, that's that's her arcade game of choice. Like a 1980s style arcade game. So Tapper. Sponsored by Budweiser. <laughs> there was a root beer version that was also uh, released, but she she enjoys the old school Budweiser one. The actual Tapper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, those early 80s games, they basically just needed a story to say, like, okay, this is why you're doing this. Okay, you're, you're Mario. You're trying to save mm-hmm. the princess from a giant turtle. That's enough story. Okay. And it was so much more of the gameplay. And like games have just come so much further because they want to make that big engrossing storyline that keeps you wanting to come back for it. Um, as much as people still like going back to games on their phones or you know puzzle stuff like Bejeweled or Tetris, that's just something like you can shut your brain off and do. I I like a little bit of engagement. Mm-hmm. 
the, the first game, okay, what was the first game that actually told you a really big story? And I'll tell you mine first because I'm springing this on you. Uh, Sega Genesis Fantasy Star, Fantasy 4. Star 4. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was I, huge. Yeah, and that's really what got me into playing role playing games. Mm-hmm. Um, at least dies at the very spoilers for yeah. Fantasy Star 4. <laughs> I'm horrible. Like 25 years ago. I don't know how to spell it, say her name, but I, I always see, say it's Elise. I always said it as Alice because it was spelled like A L Y S. Yeah. Um, Is that so? I always say Elise. Uh, you say Alice when she dies at the beginning. You're like, oh, wait, she was the main character though. I don't want. I I know I've been playing as Chaz. Yeah, you're playing as Chaz the whole time, but she was cool. She had the boomerangs, and when he dual equipped the boomerangs, oh, she was whoosh, hit everybody. Chaz can only hit one person at a time. Well, until, until you, you figure the, out you can do like the combo moves with other people. Yeah. God, that game was great. But yeah, I pl- played the hell out of that game. <laughs> again, that was a Sega Genesis game. I had played other Sega Genesis games before that what that had that? stories. But it was stuff like the X Men or X Men Two Clone Wars, where yeah. it was basically just like, okay, I'm playing this game because it's an X Men game, and I get to be Nightcrawler and Bamfer on the screen or Gambit, and then throw cards, blowing up Sentinels. Like, it was cool because you got to just do things as characters you liked. But Fantasy Star was really the first game that had like a big story that brought you into it. And then like, there's so many just like weird, crazy characters. Like you can like get the androids, like. Um, Ren and... And Demi? Yeah, Demi, yeah. yeah. And he had, like, the weird, like, alien-looking dude, Grizz. Like, there were so many cool characters in it. Yeah, the, uh, the like, bird guy, Grizz. Yeah, he, he had, like, a beak, but he was, like, a blue, like, monster, like, with red eyes. Remember? And he then had... he got the the Newman, the new man, uh, what's her name? That ever, that Chaz falls in love with. Oh, my god. That gosh. was kind of weird, because her name was, like... I don't remember so, now. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that came out in 1993. Oh, wow, okay, earlier than I thought it did. Yeah, but in Japan, and then in North, North America, 1995, sorry. So 1995 for us. But, uh, man, I remember playing that game. Like, I'm like, oh, was I only 10? I'm like, I think I was, like, 12, maybe a little older. And I'm like, does that make sense, 1995, about 12, 13? And just being like, dude, I don't know if I can play this game. Like when he, when when he summons the dark force, uh, the, the main bad guy, mm-hmm. and kills and basically kills Elise, and you're like, oh shoot, we gotta run away, and then that main bad guy isn't even the start of it. It's like <laughs> that's all prologue. Like twelve hours into yeah. the game, we're like just starting. It's just crazy, and uh, man, it's so good. It's it's like one. It's a great. People love Final Fantasy games, and because you know they had Nintendo, I had a Sega Genesis. So, Fantasy Star is, is it for me? And this yeah. Fantasy Star Four is so good. I was in the like, same same boat because I had a Genesis. I didn't have a Nintendo or well, a Super Nintendo because I had a regular Nintendo, and I had had um the first Final Fantasy actually. Oh. But I I don't remember the story for that because it was basically just walk around, make a team of, you know, fighter, mage, thief, mage, like, whatever, and then just try to get your characters better. Like, that was kind of more in, like, the Diablo vein for me Mm -hmm. than Fantasy Star, which ultimately, like, when I finally got a PlayStation and I picked up uh, Final Fantasy VII, 
that was so in the same vein as Fantasy Star, was just like that huge, big RPG that just made me be like, okay, like, I I get this. I'm I'm along for the ride. Yeah, fantasy. So there's something about Final Fantasy VII too, where I'm like, oh, I really like, enjoy playing this game, and as I play it, I'm like, oh no, Rika, it's really fun. Her name was Rika. Rika, that's right. right for <laughs> Fantasy Googled Star it. Four. Uh jeez, what a weird name uh, for Final Fan. But Final Fantasy VII, like I think, oh, I'm going to do everything there is to do in this game. I'm going to, you know, especially now that it's available on Steam and everything. I tried playing through it about, again about three, four years ago, and like in once, so I would have like a wiki open, you know. Uh, on the one screen, and I would tap out every once, tab out of the game every once in a while, and read through the wiki to see what exactly I needed to do. And I get burned out on it, though. Like, I'm like, eh, but I already kind of know what's happening. So do I really need more? Like, the whole thing about going to, into that waterfall area at that one certain time of the, during the game to see the one cutscene for Vincent. Mm-hmm. And, like, getting Knights of the Round and doing all this other stuff and the Omega weapons and, like, defeating them and how did you defeat them? Like, I'm like, no, I'm just going to end this game. I don't I don't actually need to do all that. that I don't whole, care. That whole thing with Vincent where he had to go and, like, walk this many steps this way. Oh, yeah. People, people figured it out, though. Like, it had there's to be, enough. It had to be there's like enough. a strategy guide somewhere, but I heard about that just from, like, word of mouth. That's how I knew how to go do it. It wasn't like the internet was a thing back then that you could like just go on to GameFAQs even and like try to figure out how to get all your characters. Like you literally had to put in work. Yeah, no, me and my brothers when we first played it, like we figured out how to get Vincent because there's enough in that game that tells you because you open up the one box, the one treasure box and it's like there's a weird code inside and it tells you and you can go back to that box and like keep on like looking at it and like you can hear the squeak in the floorboards when you do the steps. So there's enough in there in the game that if you're really paying attention and like if you're playing with somebody over your shoulder, especially like, you know, they're as, and they're paying attention, like you could be like, no, 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 stop. Now go left because it said go left. Remember? And you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So now, and then, you know, like, I grew up playing video games with two other, you know, a brother that's two years older than me and a brother that's four years younger than me. So one of us always had time to play, like, games a little too religiously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, for our, anybody's good. Like, my brother, my older brother would understand the game a little bit more than me and my younger brother would, but my younger brother would have a lot more time just to, like, just play it. Just play, 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 and be like, no, I figured it out. This is what you do. Because <laughs> he just could, you know, uh, throw time at a video game. Like, uh, that's how we I download. I never had a Nintendo, but by the time I was in middle school and then in high school, I was downloading ROMs. Like, ROMs were available. Yeah. So that's how we played, like, Link to the Past and all the Zelda series. Like, and Patrick, he just, he's my younger brother. He just, like went hog wild for him and that's how i played some of the original uh fantasies uh final fantasies as well like just on roms fantasies final fantasy 7 came out on pc uh while i was in i think high school and that's how i played it for 
I was able to play a lot of the Final Fantasies on PlayStation because they re-released them. Um, Square did like collections of, I want to say it's like Final Fantasy 1, 2, and 3. I think they put out like Chrono Trigger again, so that's kind of how I was able yeah. to go back and play all those early Squaresofts, now Square Enix uh, RPGs that I had heard so much about just from like reading video games things, but I didn't have the system. I always I had some ROMs, but it was more just I used them for playing uh, like Mario or Mario World stuff like that. <laughs> but but any of those RPGs as good as Fantasy Star Four? No, they're not. Right? They're not. I mean, and it could just be like of the times where you know Final Fantasy Two is not going to be because Fantasy Star Four, but. Uh, something about that game, though, it just it worked so well. Final Fantasy VIII is not as good as Fantasy Star Four. See, I, I don't like eight. I liked eight a lot. I like eight more than seven. Ooh, yeah. Uh, Ooh, come un- unpopular, email. Unpopular. I don't know our email address anymore, unpopular but email Chris like, thoughts. But yeah, I I like eight more than seven. I don't. I just like the more realistic graphics in it. Okay, yeah, because it does. It's it wasn't three different companies doing three different parts of the game. I liked the one the battle system a little bit more. I liked how um, he had like draw magic. You like better. You liked material. everybody being a blue mage. Basically, everybody's yeah. a blue mage. Um, I don't know. I, I like draw better than materia. I never liked Final Fantasy Nine, but I would say Ten would be one of my other games that I'd be able to go back to and just play. Um, I haven't played ten yet. It was it is on Steam. I do own it because <laughs> it was part of a Square Enix Steam sale. So of course I picked it up a while ago. I, I think they did a great two. job with all the characters. I like the battle system where you can swap in anybody whenever you want. Like so, you can basically like level your whole team through each battle by placing them in and out. Um, I like the leveling system with the sphere grid because basically you could have all of your characters learn every single skill if you wanted to put the work into it. Uh, okay, going back to like Final Fantasy, what was it two? Where everybody like it all it depended like, on like that was what? like the crystals where you would level. No, up it was like as long as you picked like that ability to use to in a fight, like it would level up that ability. So like depending on what you decided each character would do, that's how they learned how to do things better and better. Uh, no, the original Final Fantasy two, like the Japanese numbering. That I've played on DS gotcha. and ROMs. No, it was more a case of like you earned rewards that you could use to level up your characters, but basically your character only had to be in the battle and do one thing. So like oh. you could swap a character in, have them attack or heal, and then next time like they popped up on like the active time thing, you could pull them out and like swap them out for someone else. I mean it wasn't the most efficient way of leveling, but if you wanted to, you could level up everyone. Like all seven characters in one battle. By nice. doing that. In uh, Final Fantasy two, the Japanese numbering two. So was that like say what, three or four over here? I don't I have no idea the, what know. the numbering is. But uh if you select since it was like you would gain XP in that uh, uh item that you or that ability that you selected, if you did not that whoever was the last person in your party order would get screwed. But you would have all you would select all those abilities for all the characters, and then when you got to the last person, you would just cancel back out to the first person again, 
keep on selecting them over and over again. <laughs> like cancel out, go back to the first guy, select, 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 and then go back, select, select, select. And then you would level up like really quickly, but it would take forever just in that menu system. Yeah. So. No, honestly, like Final Fantasy X was like, it was really slick. I forget like what you had to hit to do it, but basically when someone popped up as like, hey, it's their time to act, you could just hit a button and it could say like, oh, swap out with this person. And they would jump out, the other person would jump in, and then they could do something. It's a really great game. I actually played the spin-offs for it, too, like Final Fantasy like X2. Um, we played Eleven for a little bit. That was the online one. The online? That was before World of Warcraft came out. It was. I played Final Fantasy Twelve for a, a bit. I enjoyed it. I just never finished it. I, I couldn't get into I it. I don't remember what it was, but there, it was just... It might have just oh, been Oh, 12 like, or 13? Um, 12 was the one with Vaughn and uh, oh. Baltier, like the Sky Pirates. I oh, I, didn't, I don't even have 12. 13 is the one I played that I just could not See, care, did not care about, 13, like with Lightning. 13 I really liked. Um, it was more action-adventure than RPG, whereas it was very linear. But I was able to say, like, no, that was the story that they were trying to tell. Like, your characters are on the run, so they have to keep moving. That's why it's so linear. I played the sequel to it. I I can't remember what came out, but halfway through... Lightning's that, Return! Exactly. Like, halfway through that game, though, was an, another game came out that I was more looking forward to. So I stopped playing that one to finish the other game. And then when I finally went back to Final Fantasy XIII, I was like, I have no idea where I was what I was doing, what I had to do next. So I basically just like scrapped and gave up. Uh, I recently started playing through 13 again, though, in hopes of someday like continuing on, finishing 2, because I bought Final Fantasy uh, 13 3, and I, I do want to play that one, because I, I do like Lightning as a character. I think she's cool. I think she's pretty badass. She's so aloof, though. I like aloof. And then people turn into crystals, and you're like, I don't, I don't know what's happening in this game. Oh, I just going hit X. To sleep. I hit X. Uh, speaking about hitting X, I can't segue that. Uh, Paul, I heard you crack your other beer a while ago. Oh, yes. I cracked mine. And this is kind of one of my favorites from Six Point Brewery out of New York City, and this is their Bengali IPA. And I was reading the can, and I think it's very apropos that I'm drinking this beer right now. Because, quote, it all started with an epo- epic video game marathon back in 2004. Rocking blaze orange homebrew, we saw foam rings down the glass like tiger stripes. Thousands of batches and tweaks later, the Bengali still slashes. Tip it back and let gravity do the work. Game on! Um, Bengali, six point, it's a very nice spiced IPA. It was $9.99 for the six-pack of cans. I had a reward certificate to my beer store from just spending money and earning points that I was able to get five bucks off. $5 for a six-pack of just great drinkable IPA. Um, They also had the Three Bean, the bourbon barrel-aged coffee stout that they had. I almost picked that up, too, but I already had a four-pack of Dankwood in my... uh, basket so i was like i don't want to spend any more on beer but i know you're not a big fan of them but six point everything they have even their resin which is like the really hoppy ipa it's all it's still really drinkable 
I, I do enjoy Three Bean, Diesel, and probably Bengali. Like the other, like once I get into uh, resin and the other ones, they, they add like a certain spice or hoppiness that they all kind of s- taste similar, mm. except for those three to, for me. Like those are the three standouts. Um, and talking about a standout uh, brewery or beer, I'm drinking Woodcock Brothers. Uh, this is their Citra Dry Hopped India Pale Ale, which is basically one of their XPAs. That uh, they are now releasing all the time. Uh, this is six point five percent alcohol by volume, and this much better price point. I don't remember what it is, but it's a four pack in sixteen ounce cans, and this is just one of those nice, refreshing with that citra hop, little juicy, but it's not a juice bomb uh, IPA. It's not a double IPA. But it's nice and refreshing. Uh, it's perfect when you want to kind of cool down and just relax kind of beer. Oh, and I'm play, so glad. Play some video games. And play some video games. Something that you've already played a while, you know, so you already know what you're doing. Muscle memory can kind of kick in. And you can just kind of play through it because, you know, it's 6.5 and you already drank a 7. <laughs> so you probably shouldn't get behind the wheel. You could probably get behind a Mario Kart wheel, but not the wheel of an actual vehicle. Who is Mario Kart uh, one of your... Uh... Go back. No, because I, I I only played it at friend's house, okay. and I that would have been a great segue. But I'm sorry, it's okay. uh, I it's, I don't uh, fight. Just in general, fighting games is one of those games. Like if I got 10, 15 minutes, and I just want to like work out some aggression, like Soul Calibur, the original. Uh, I really inju- like Injustice, the. Uh, DC fighting game, even though it's kind of over the top and crazy and not a very... I don't think it's a great fighting game, because I don't feel like any of the characters are really balanced in any kind of way. Yeah. Unlike Soul Calibur, which I think is, like... Maybe I'm wrong, but I really think Soul Calibur, the original, is like one of those perfect fighting games. Um, like, Maybe it's because I played it way too much, because I had a Dreamcast and that was the like only game that was worth a damn on the system. But, uh... I think, I, re- Soul, I think it's Soul Calibur Four would be my favorite of the, the Soul Calibers. I think Five was okay, but it didn't really grab me as much. <laughs> um, it just had like too many like new characters that I wasn't a fan of. <laughs> um, are you looking forward to the new Soul Calibur that's coming out there? See, I don't even know because the problem with Soul Calibur. Is I always forget which one's which, and I'm like, Ivy's cup size. What, what size was she? Okay, actually, uh, for the first one she was like a D cup, and then by Soul Calibur four, I think she was like a triple. I don't. Yeah, I think they ran out of letters. Like it just got stupid. It was crazy. It's just nutty. Uh, but no, I, I think they had way too many characters, and then there was a whole system where you could create your own character which, as well. Which I I like doing that, but for me. I would make that character to take through, like that game mode that they had for them. Um, right. It, it's never felt the same as playing as one of my like go tos in the actual like arcade mode or edge mode or any of the other modes because I mm-hmm. do like uh, how Namco with Soul Calibur or even Tekken they put out all intents. It just needs to be a a fighting game. Just let me yeah. you know pick a character. Arcade style, maybe unlock some other characters throughout it. But I do like the extra weird game modes that they wind up throwing in stuff. Um, 
I don't know, Soul Calibur always been one of my more go-tos than Tekken, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I never got into Tekken. I felt Tekken was a little slow and flighty, uh, floaty, mm-hmm. especially with the jumping. Like, or for whatever reason, like I could really get into the like press, like the rhythm of the pressing of the fighting buttons just worked for me. Unlike the Mortal Kombat, like even in Inju- Injustice, every once in a while, I'm like, it's like the move is X X Y, and like, oh nope, I press X too quickly. Yeah, and I can't get the rhythm. For whatever reason, the like me and the frame rate and the rhythm of the button presses just worked for Soul Calibur so well. Uh, but I do like just loading up and just doing a single battle. Just like, all right, this is a character that I want to get good at. Like, I was really trying to get good at Harley Quinn in, in, in Injustice. And that's when I realized, like, no, the characters aren't balanced at all. Because this character... It's, she's slow moving. She, her ranges can be interrupted. Like there's nothing that her combos, like they're some air juggling combos, but they're so hard to pull off that it just doesn't really work. Where other characters are just like pop, 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 pop. You know, they got that rhythm where they can just go into combo pretty easily. I, and it's like I think that's the best word for the Soul Calibur series. It's where there's a rhythm there's the flow to it like you said yeah um like injustice and then even mortal Kombat. even though the last one i played was mortal Kombat 10 everything's very stiff unless you hit the exact right buttons in the exact right order that you're supposed to hit them in in which case like mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like you're really playing a game you're just hitting the buttons because you know you're supposed to Right, and that's how I feel like with Injustice too. I somewhat enjoy it, but then like it was when I'm playing the Flash, I'm like, oh, but I, you feel like you're dialing up a combo that yeah. you're not actually fighting. You're like back X Y, you know, like to do the run back Y, you know, the quick quick hit. Like where Soul Calibur, yeah, that there's that rhythm where I'm like, no, I'm going to do this like, and for whatever reason, it just seems, to, yeah, it just has a better flow for me. I just really enjoy the Soul Calibur fighting games. I'd say Soul Calibur and Street Fighter are kind of my my favorites. I never consider myself a Street Fighter pro. Like I played a lot of the games. I was just never mm-hmm. really good at them, though. Yeah. Um, I, I think a lot of it had to do with just like the X Men Children of the Atom, and then Marvel vs. Capcom stuff, where it was cool seeing those characters that I liked from the comic books being in that fighting game space because it worked really well for him. Um, as opposed to some other stuff like we talked about pre-show with Star Wars Masters of Tears of the oh, yeah. uh, which gets a shout out in Solo if you've seen it. If not, like that's what they're talking about. It's a bad PlayStation fighting game starring Star Wars characters. Um, but I think Capcom does a really good job of fighting games. Mm-hmm. In general, even stuff like uh, Darkstalkers and Rival Schools, which has been around for a while, but those, it's more style over substance. I just like the character design and like the funkiness of it more than something like Soul Calibur, where it's just so smooth, just so much fun to play. Okay, talking about weird character design and kind of like in the Darkstalker universe uh, adjacent, have you ever played uh, Skullgirls, uh, the fighting game? Because it's I, very 
Darkstark. It's it's kind of like a more chibi version of Darkstark Darkstalkers, I think. It is. I think I downloaded the demo for it on Xbox 360, but it was one of those things where I was playing. I was like, okay, like I, I can see why you know people would be into it, but it, just, it didn't actually like click for me. Huh. No, that no feels... offense, because I know, um, I kind of equated it to like something like Guilty Gear, where it's like, a, hey, here's a Street Fighter clone. It hits those exact same notes, where it's like the weird, funky character design, and they do like weird, awesome-looking combos, and the animation's really slick on it. But I just didn't have any sort of affinity for it. Just didn't have something to grab me. Okay. Because I thought, oh, this might be... Like, I'm looking through my list of games on uh, Steam right now, and I'm like, oh, if you like that, then you might really like Skullgirls. Uh, because it feels like that next... Not, cause I, that newer version of Dark, 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 uh, Darkstalkers, was, a.k.a. Like, Skullgirls was kind of one of those like crowdfunded games that just... They wanted to make a game, and then people really responded to it, right? Where it just kind of like kept getting bigger. It seems that way. I'm not sure if that's how it launched or what, but yeah, it's it's got a ton of characters: Big Bad Wolf, Big Band, like all these weird, very weird characters. And it's kind of like in this alternate 1940s, 1950s, like setting. So, like every all the uh, all the graph, all the uh, what logo? Not logos. Um, the writing. What what is that called? Uh, the fonts. All the fonts feel very nineteen forties forties. Like if you saw these these characters on the side of a biplane or a uh, you know a jet during the nineteen forties World War Two, you would be like, oh okay, that kind of belongs there. Yeah. But in an anime style, so I don't know. I like fighting games. I just I wish I was better at most of them. I I would really two player co op for me is just so much fun like i love having couch co-op or just playing versus somebody that's right next to you Mm -hmm. i I feel like that's so much fun uh you know you can trash talk a little bit you can elbow each other a little bit like even online uh when we played diablo 2 together that was a lot of fun but couch co-op there's something about it in fighting games yeah i know it's not co-op but there's something about fighting games that i really enjoy because of that intimate setting especially like if you're playing with a few other people where it's like okay i got next oh yeah when you can quarter up yeah oh quarter quartering like that's something that we miss like kids today i'm gonna sound old <laughs> I <laughs> because mean, i just said it because you are <laughs> i said it and that is a phrase that you cannot say without sounding old kids today will never enjoy the never understand the, the joy of quartering up, you know, if it's a 50 cent game and you want next, you put the quarter down on the machine and be like, that's my quarter. I'm next. Yeah. Like, and then just getting trashed by this older kid, you know, <laughs> and being like, oh, I lost. And you're like, should I try to quarter up again? And you're like, nope, nope. But there's something fun about there's There's no quartering up anymore. Like, I kind of wish that was a random mode, like. Hey, this is a like on uh like on these fighting games like online. Yeah, I know there's online battles, and I will never take part in them. So maybe there is a mode yeah. where you could be like, like a, this guy has the longest win streak. A king of the hill, kind of. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe maybe there is. I mean, there should be, but I I I don't know. I don't play enough 
games online, like I, I mean, I play a lot of WoW, but at the same time, like I'm playing that with me. It's not like I have a friend group that I play with. It, that's yeah. just for me. I, I feel like the last time I actually played games online was back. It was years ago, but when we would do Left for Dead, that was a good time. That was a good year. Yeah. Those were- like, I was living in the apartment. Chris, uh, you were living with John. Uh, Scott was right, uh, was, you know, living in the apartment underneath us. That was a great year. It was just like, yeah, there was like, it was like those weird times. Like, Ed would be able to join in too. It was a 90s sitcom year for our group. It was. It was like, you know, we would be, you would be over at my place and then Scott would just pop up. And be like, you guys are being too loud, and then sit down and be like, <laughs> even louder than we were. It would be, it was fun. It was just, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, it's like crazy. Uh, Where we played a lot of Xbox 360, Left 4 Dead. Honestly, yeah. like I don't have Left 4 Dead anymore because I traded away because like we stopped playing it all the time. But I feel like that's probably a game that I could include on this list because you just give me Left 4 Dead, like, and I can sit down and I will just play it and shoot smokers and uh, spitters like left and right until the wee hours of the morning. Yeah. And I feel like left for dead Two left me behind. Like I was like, not ready for all those different, like the clown and all this other stuff. Like I just never got into left for dead Two as much as I got into left for dead one. It was, it was the same game. Just like they gave you some extra items. And then there were a couple different extra, like I forget what they call them, but, like the special zombies. Yeah, the special zombies just like threw me for a loop. I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to hit him on his nose? No, don't hit him on the nose? I don't know. Like, it was much... The thing is, I, I feel like those levels in Left 4 Dead 2 were so much more, you know, like, bottlenecked. Mm-hmm. Where in Left 4 Dead 1, like, I don't know, maybe I played Left 4 Dead a lot more, 1 a lot more, so I kind of got used to it in Left 4 Dead 2. Like, by the time I got it, you guys were already ahead of me, and I never really got a feel for it. I don't know. Up for Dead 1, though. I think you could have gotten, gotten into it if you had played it a little bit more. Right. I think it's, like, it's the same mechanics. Like, the gameplay was the same. It was basically just learning the level. And it's, I, think I still have my Left 4 Dead copy on Xbox. Was Left 4 so. Dead 2 the one that had the... Oh, wait, no, but I don't have Xbox Gold, so I can't play online anymore? Yeah. That's how it's always been, though. They'll still let you spend money, you just can't play games. But yeah. Yeah, it's silly. I'm trying to think if I have anything else that's like, uh, like I can just pick it up and play it whenever. I know, we've we've done an hour of content. We, we talked about a lot of games, too. Mm-hmm. And we gave the best advice ever to anybody, ever. Which is play Fantasy Star Four. Yeah, that's that's something people aren't talking about on podcasts nowadays. And you know what you can do? I th- well, it was on Steam for a while. It was called the Genesis Collection. I'm lo- going to look for it right now because I own it, and I'm like, oh shit, I can play that right now. It's it's on my Steam account. It's the Sega Mega Drive and Genesis Collection, or Sega Mega Drive and Genesis Classics, and it is one of the games that you can buy for that inside of that game. So, and he can get Fantasy Star 2, number 3, and 4. And one of the best Christmas presents I ever got was for my little sister when she worked at the Walton Gallery Mall. And I saw Fantasy Star 
the original game there uh, at like one uh, like a game not GameStop but GameStop, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm like, ah, you know, it's thirty bucks though. I don't know. I I shouldn't get it. I I'm not gonna buy it. And then like I ran into my sister there at the mall, and I'm like, ah, yeah, they have. Did you see up there? They they have all these used games, like the old Sega games that I used to play. And, she, and it's like, oh yeah, I didn't mention saw that. I'm like they have the original Fantasy Star, but it's like thirty bucks, and I, you know, when am I ever gonna play it? Unbeknownst to me, she goes out and buys it the same day, like during her break that Christmas. Boom, Fantasy Star, the original, and she goes. She tells me, Paul. You gotta treat yourself. And I'm like, ah! I feel it's like that, I wouldn't be able to go back and play the original Fantasy Star after playing 4. It's like a Skyrim Oblivion situation. Oh, it's it's completely... Because it's the, the not even Sega Genesis. It's a Sega Master System game. So the, the dungeons are literally like your first-person perspective walking down a wireframe cube you know, dungeon. Mm. And you're like, you go forward, you go forward, and then you run into a monster that's now in front of you, and then the screen pops up. So so you have to have graph paper out so you can map the dungeon as you play it wow. because it's the only way that's, to figure it out. That's too much work. I already said I like to just be, like, drinking a beer, playing a game on my phone while I'm playing other games sometimes. And you need a battery for that cartridge. you got to unscrew that cartridge and put it in a new battery, because otherwise you lose your save file. Ouch. Because old-school systems. Yep. <laughs> they never thought, like, nostalgia gaming would be a thing at that point. No, nobody did. And, hey, you know what? That isn't that old, because the Dreamcast, like, your memory, your memory card had a watch battery in it. And if you don't replace that watch battery, kids, you're going to lose your save files. Doesn't it doesn't look like Fantasy Star Four is on Xbox 360 at all? Uh, that's too bad. Sorry, because I was thinking about it. I was like, oh, I can do that. I'm just gonna play some Skyrim today. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna look for Sega because it might have been taken off. Yeah, it's it's not around. Maybe it's on Amazon. I don't know. Sega DLC pack. What is that? <laughs> and if you're looking for a game to oh, play, sorry. hopefully we. Uh, <laughs> we found one that you maybe want to go back to because you had forgotten about or if we missed one let us know yeah and you can let us know on our Facebook page I think that's our best way to get in contact and get us uh, your comment noticed uh, it's facebook.com slash board. is that is that all it is probably I don't yeah just do a search for board. you can find it we're there yeah and then uh know keep on liking the you know wherever you find our podcast just like and comment and rate us and review us because that makes us feel good so does drinking i need a sandwich